Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me this week, the three amigos. How are we, guys? Yeah, I'm all good. <laughs> yeah, very well, thank you. And a little bit of shock, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and me all, may I tell you. Um, so this, this episode, we've... Uh, We've pushed it back. We knew the trade deadline was going to be busy, let's say. Uh, so normally we record on a Tuesday, but we were mindful of the the Wednesday, the Wednesday deadline. So we pushed back. We apologise for last week for not making uh, making our usual commitment for uh, for a weekly pod. Unfortunately, that was my fault. So I'll take full uh, responsibility. Actually, it was mainly the train the train network in the UK. When when the temperature rises, the trains stop running, and that was. That was what happened. So there we go. We apologize, but we're back and we're back with a bang for a trade deadline extravaganza. It literally is an extravaganza from the Marlins. Um, when when I was trapped in London last week, I, I tweeted out guys and said, I feel that there's going to be a whole host of activity from the Marlins. That tweet actually got quite a load of responses on it to say, don't think so. Think it's going to be quiet. Maybe Romo, maybe Castro at best was the feedback. That is definitely not what has happened tonight. So I think maybe I'll recap, guys, and then we'll go around and pick the bones out of it and work out if it was good, bad, or indifferent for the Marlins. So um, earlier in the week, Romo was traded to the Twins. And um, we mainly got back a uh, first base, uh, first base prospect, um, Luis Diaz. Um, the primary objective, I think, beyond that, then, guys, was probably to move on Castro and clear up some space for uh, for for Isan Diaz to come up and, and take over that shortstop, uh, sorry, that second base spot. And I'd, I'd put out there a thought, listen, Caleb, Caleb's an option. I think teams will be ringing on Caleb because he's been top draw the last couple of weeks. But anyway, it wasn't Caleb that went. Caleb's here. Dan, you'll be happy about that one, hey? <laughs> yep. Caleb remains. But what has happened is Zach Gallen, uh, Nick Anderson and Trevor Richards all traded pretty much within, what, an hour of the deadline or right up to the deadline for some of them. And um, multiple prospects back. Uh, so we dealt with um, with the D-backs for, for Gallon and um, and then the Rays for both Richards and, and Anderson. So, whew, guys, busy, busy deadline. Um, I'll come to you first, uh, Dan, I'd say. Caleb remains. <laughs> Let's talk about him first. If if these other guys have gone, why didn't Caleb go? Well, I think probably just because of the fact that he's 
more than likely now he's he has become our ace. Um, it is a little bit strange. I, I mean, I'm I'm very happy just in the fact that because he's my guy and I, I love what he can do. Um, and I'm very pleased he's here and he continues to be an asset for us. There's no doubt about that. But it's it's a bit of a puzzler with, with the Gallon one because um, it probably should have been, if we was going to deal one of the two, it probably should have been Smith, mainly just because of the age. Um, with, with Gallon, you know, he's only, he's only had probably, well, six, seven, eight starts. Um, he's been brilliant pretty much in every game. I don't remember him having a bad game, especially in his last two, and especially even last night. He was fantastic. And um, and people have sort of, the feedback has been that, well, we've, we've got rid now, like we've sold high, why his stock is high. But I don't really get that because, you know, the, there's nothing to say that he won't just continue to get better. All right, yeah, maybe, maybe next year he'll level out and we, we might be looking at back at it. But I just think that was a high risk thing to do. And probably as much as it's strange for me to say it, but probably the more sensible thing would have been to do that sort of trade with someone like Caleb um, and keep that that elite prospect that we've got in Gallon with us. But, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm pleased we've kept Caleb. I was a little bit concerned because there was, there was rumours going around that he was going to go. But I'm really shocked with, with Gallon going. I really am. I think that he, was, he, he absolutely tore up AAA. And then ever since he's come to the majors, it's been seamless. He's just, he's walked up and done the job. And um, and we've got rid of him now before it's even started. I don't, I don't know really about the, the guy who's coming as a place. I understand he's another good prospect. He's, he's another batting power, which is what we need. We know that. And the, the rumours are that the, the trade has happened because we've got Sixto ready to go and we're expecting maybe to see him now. So that that's all fine. But I, I just, I'm, I'm shocked. I think it's quite a high risk thing what we've done there with Gannon. Yeah, so just to recap on that, we've we've taken um, the the number one prospect from the Diamondbacks, uh, which is a guy called Jazz Chisholm. Uh, he's a, a shortstop with a bit of pop. Uh, I guess it fills a need actually for for us in the Mickey Rowe. Hey, he's already said this week he's all in. So it's great to hear from Miggy, and equally, I'm glad that he's. They've not been. He's not been moved on because if I was a contender, I'd be just on on the personal traits and attributes. I'd be picking up the phone and saying, "I want him in the ball club, and I want him in the clubhouse for the running." But anyway, he he's locked in. I think for next year at shortstop. And let's be honest, he's been absolutely incredible in the last week or so. I mean, he's been incredible for a couple of months now in the leadoff spot since he switched to there. But all of a sudden, he started hitting home runs, leadoff home runs. To lead off the game so you know that's he's locked in for another year uh, but it's nice to add that depth piece and that you know top 100 type prospect piece in a in a shortstop position which is a, is a position of need for us other than the conveyor belt of international free agents that we signed uh, a couple of weeks back so before i finish on this dan on the wow factor scale or the uh, you know from a tradeometer perspective how shocked are you at this one? One to ten. Ten being, you've nearly fainted. Yeah, it was. It was a ten because <laughs> I, I even I even tweeted when when I was bang on the pulse with it all, kept refreshing and refreshing. And when that got uh, announced, I I tweeted the the head blown emoji because I just I thought that that was exactly how I was. I just couldn't believe it. I thought it, it, yeah. if anything, 
if someone was to say who's the one player that you don't think will get traded, I probably would have said Zach Gallen. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that's yeah, quite incredible. But you know, we'll, we'll trust the guys in the know. That's what uh, they're paid to do. Yeah, Rob, give me your thoughts on Gallen briefly because if we're honest, you've had the opportunity to watch him more than us because you were heavily tracking him in AAA. He was incredible in AAA. And I think his big league stint with the Marlins actually has gone a little bit under the radar because there's been other stories. So give us a, give us a quick bit of feedback on, on, on that one and then we'll move on to the next. Yeah, I'm mega shocked. Really am. Um, because um, obviously watching him and playing for the baby cakes and the fact that, you know, he, this is a, the Pacific Coast League is such a difficult league to pitch in. It's well known how uh, easy it is to get home runs, for instance. You know, you've got Yadiel Rivera hitting bombs um, over there and, and, and Austin Dean with a, a well over 300 ERA. So it, it it's uh, it's known to be difficult for the pitchers, and he went in with 91 innings with an ERA of 1.77, you know, a WHIP of 0.71. That shows he not just was he, you know, getting uh, you know the bats out. He was not walking anyone either. It was really really uh, an amazing player to watch. And when I was watching him in the baby cage, you thought, right, okay, brilliant. We have a rotation piece for the long term here, definitely, because he just looks a, a class above anyone else. And his strikeouts per nine uh, at the baby case was 11. Then he's come up to the big leagues and his strikeouts per nine are 10.7. So he's still, uh, you know, we, we saw it the other night, didn't we, with his fastball and his change-up. You know, that change-up looked as good as what Trevor Richards was earlier in the season when he was on hot form. Um, so it is a bit of a surprise because, you know, the the first, you know, four games, uh, where he's, well, so, you know, he had a little bit of a... Uh, I think only had one game, didn't he, where he, he got a slight knock, slightly knocked around a bit. But beyond that, and the rest of the games that he's played in, you just thought, right, well, he's a rotation piece for the, for the future. And you remember what we were talking about weeks and weeks ago? Like, when is he going to be called up? When is he going to be called up? Because when he's called up, you know, who, who's, whose place is he going to... And it just seemed... I was just shocked. And I just uh, had an interview with him as well, and he was surprised as well. Um, but what this reveals, more than anything else, is how it is working behind the scenes at the Marlins. If you have watched a bit of the minor leagues like I have, one of the teams that's really kind of struggled a bit has been the the Jumbo Shrimp um, in Double A, and there is whether it's batting is really really struggling with. Uh, the Lumber Kings were struggling earlier the season. Now a few of the players have started to really really kick on. But if you we've talked about this before, but if you now look through our minor league system, you say okay, who are your next? MLB stars with the bat coming through. Um, I'm really am struggling. Uh, we can talk about Monte Harrison, etc., but I am struggling. So I can kind of get why this kind of trade is done. It's a risky trade, as, as Dan said, because he might not turn in to be the player. The, the, the Jazz Chisholm last year was 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 absolutely fantastic in regards to. Um, uh, he was a. Um, uh, you know, not just to being a shortstop, he he got a lot of stolen bases. 
um, he um, is, oh, sorry, this year, I mean, not last year, for, for Jackson in double A. He had, um, he, uh, well, sorry, I've just lost the stat right in front of me on here. Um, there was the, sorry, it was the previous year. He, he got the stolen bases. He had a high on base percentage. He looks, you know, a good player coming through this year. He has slightly struggled a little bit. He has a low batting average, striking out a little bit. So um, there is a there is a risk here that he may not develop on to be the player, but they obviously see something in him, and all that coaching and um, sorry, the uh, scouting has obviously picked out something saying this is worth giving up Gallon yeah. because th- this is the guy that could come through and be our one of our next stars. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting for sure. The shock, the shock levels are high. What's your take? What, what's your ranking? One to ten on the shockometer. <laughs> Me ten. Ten as well. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's big. I I think when when you look at it, because because Gallon's been in the rotation for two months or whatever, and he's done well. And I mean, he he pitched well last night. Didn't get the win, but he pitched well. His stuff's quality. Ever since I watched him pitch, just the sheer movement he gets on his pitches is, you know, you know why he's going to be difficult to get solid contact against. But the reality is, it took injuries to get him into the rotation. There's also a farm below him that have similar levels of potential. And, you know, you need to make a call on some of these guys and maybe, you know, tough decisions are made. There's only five spots in the rotation. In reality, there's probably 10 guys who could do it. And Yamamoto being the surprise one as well that just turned up and, you know, was delivering stuff. So, you know, it's a strange, it looks a strange one. It's just caught everyone off guard, isn't it? Because he's come, you know, they kept him back in AAA. Then he's arrived and he's been under the radar a bit. He's, building up and performed his best in the last two appearances and now he's gone I think the thing is though is none of us know anything about the prospect we've got I mean I don't follow baseball that widely to know and I've ever seen this guy jazz play what I do know is I love his first name so that's the first tick (laughs) I'm happy with that so yeah we'll see all right mate let's let's park gallon um I'll just get your take on Romo as well while we're here and then Lee I'll get you in the background mate you can be thinking about the Rays moves that have just happened as well but Rob what's the thoughts on on the Romo trade it it, it came a few days ago obviously but to me looked like a good trade so it that this was what we were kind of expecting with we always knew when Romo came to the Marlins that he would be gone as soon as the trade deadline came about um, he was really brought in for that. He had been fantastic this year, very reliable. I think he only blew one save. Um, you know, very very reliable at the back end of our, our bullpen, especially in high pressure situations. The year before, he'd been used as a, as a, one of those sort of starters that the the Rays uh, are using, which will which will bring us on to Ryan Stanek a little bit later. <laughs> but um, it's uh, we were expecting this. Um, there was a little bit of a shock amongst um, 
the sort of the people who follow the the Lumber Kings a bit and Batavia because Chris Fallamont has been um, you know doing all right to be honest with you. He was yeah. um, he had um, at Batavia he you know had a, a reasonably sort of was giving away quite a few runs uh, and a reasonably high uh, ERA. But um, he seemed to have been able to sort it out quite a bit in uh, with the the Lumber Kings and um, was you know an ERA just below three. Um, he had um, uh, a fairly high strikeout as rate as well, sort of ten point five per nine. So uh, this is a guy who who looked like he was someone who was on that whole kind of train of of pitches we've got going through the farm system would eventually work his way up. He did get up into um, into Jupiter as well, so he got promoted. So it was a little bit of a surprise, but it was quite a creative trade. And I think this is the, the consensus amongst, especially uh, sort of many of the sort of the pundits and analysts on on Twitter, that um, we needed um, some batting prospects to come through. And what we've done is we've Romo has gone, but. Play, putting in Valamont and a player to be named later who we don't know has meant that we've managed to instantly Jack. yeah hope <laughs> yeah um, you'd what like a to trade that'd be <laughs> yeah what would you have to give away to do that uh, no one's wow. going to eat that contract um, but it, it, it was a creative way of saying that we do have excess arms in our system we don't have excess bats. We don't have any bats. So yeah. let's try and get someone Especially in. Especially at first base. Yeah. I think that was talking about position of need and stuff again. Yeah. That again was another one. Yeah, very, very difficult at first base. And it's been a position even in um, in baby cakes, which has been difficult to fill. They brought in Matt Snyder earlier this year, got injured. Um, and, and since then, it's been sort of, you know, people kind of filling in really in, in you've got John Bertie there it's, 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 it's been quite uh, a difficult position to fill well there is no one really um through the system who you'd say okay yeah I can see these in the Marlins in the next few years so it did yeah. make sense that that yeah. to bring someone in like that and um, he um is uh, you know at the moment sort of playing in double a and and doing really well, uh, 302 batting average uh, uh, at, at the moment in his double uh, um, A stint. Anyway, overall this year between um, high A and 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 double A, he's got a batting average of 287 with the 19 home runs. So, you know, this guy's got some power, and yeah. um, hopefully, you, you we'd see him in you know triple A pretty soon. It sounds like a guy who we might see in spring training next year. So yeah, overall. I agree. I think it was considering Sergio Romo's a, a rental, as they call mm. it. I think this was quite a good trade. Mm. Scale of one to ten for the Marlins. How good a trade was that? Um, I will put that. Of course, it depends on how Diaz turns out. So let, let, let's let's put it as a as a seven because you could always have the risk that Balamont ends up being brilliant. And uh, yes. but the, this, this isn't this isn't the Paddock trade. This isn't giving away an arm. Um, for you know a a, a sort of a, a plodder, yeah. Uh, th- this is this is a a, a, a calculated gamble, uh, you know, not as risky as the the gallon trade, but it's uh, it's definitely calculated. Yeah, I I think seven feels fair. I I look at this on the face of it and think, and Romo has been 
I mean, the reality is we don't need a closer. <laughs> and we don't need to be paying anyone any money to close games because he's been there all season. He's had about four save opportunities, hasn't he? So. <laughs> but anyway, Romo himself. I, I've, uh, For me, I, I think I've said this already this, this year. He looks like a Marlins closer. Like the mentality of the guy. I, I've, I've loved him. And I could certainly see him coming back after this year. You know, obviously he'll finish out the year now at the Twins. I think there's a there's a door that will open again for him to come back next year and, and rejoin because uh, we won't get into this now, guys, because I want to carry on with the trades. But one thing we do need to look at is what the hell the bullpen looks like now post-trades because <laughs> Romo, Trevor Richards, who's recently joined it, and Nick Anderson have all gone out of that. I think the other night they pitched seven, eight, nine when we were in a winning position. So I'll just let you boys ponder on that while we get on to the next uh, trade activity. Because who the hell is going to be doing seven, eight, nine in close games? So anyway, Lee, on to you, buddy, and segues nicely. Um, <laughs> Nick Anderson, I, I thought. Person, I, I've been really high on him this year. Anyway, he's been he's been a real standout and probably an unknown across the league. Unless you go in and search by strikeouts per nine, you would probably never even have heard Nick Anderson before this year. I'd never even heard of Nick Anderson, but boy, the guy is he is a strikeout threat. So Nick Anderson and, and Trevor Richards gone. Shock ometer. One to ten on that one to the Rays. Uh, not that high actually, because I because I, I think it was a good time to deal Anderson and mm. Richards has obviously really struggled, you know, in the last two months or so. Mm. He had lost his place in the rotation, and it was now in the pen. I think I think he's had three scoreless games you know, from the pen so far. It looked like he he had adjusted to that role, mm. but but now it's definitely time to sell. You know, and uh, and if, and if it was a package deal, we, you know, we, we seem to, to have got a decent return you know, in Sanchez, uh, who I, I looked up earlier on when the deal was made. He's apparently the ninth out, uh, outfield possibly you know, you know, in baseball as a whole, you know, outfielders for the, outfield the start season. So, you know, he, he seems, seems like a, you know, a decent get, right fielder. You know, it's another lefty bat, which was something we, we need. You know, we, 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 you know, we're stockpiling the piling the backs now. <laughs> it seems like we've gone from no lefties at yeah, all. So now, now we're piling them up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably some of them shortstops we uh, we signed as well yeah. were all lefties too. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> wow, and, and this guy. So it's it's Jesus Sanchez. Is that right? Is he he's the main yeah. the main piece? Obviously, we got Stanek back as well. Yeah, we got so. Stanek here yeah, for the pen. Like I said, I, I looked at his stats. And I saw he had started a few games. I, thought, I didn't know if he was a starter or a reliever. Yeah. It looks like he, he is their opener yeah, for, for the Rays. Yeah. But yeah, he, he seems to be, be, be having a good good season. So Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, he's he slotting to somewhere in, in the pen for the you know, seventh or eighth inning. I say, but now, who is the closer? Because it probably was and, you know, Anderson before we made this move. Yeah. So now it's probably Harling Garcia, who's actually well, really good. Excuse me, lights out. That's you guys now, yeah. Yeah. Let's go around the horn on that. 
Who's getting the most saves now from the Marlins the rest of the season? You're saying Harlan Garcia, Lee, yeah? Garcia, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dan? Yeah, um, I'm just trying to figure out. There's any saves. Yeah. Um, who else is there? We've got Guerrero. Um, yeah, Chen. Um, Chen. I can never pronounce his name. Quijada. But yeah, pro- probably Garcia is probably yeah. going to be the, the, the leading yeah, closer now. But yeah, it's looking a bit thin. Yeah. Conley? Uh, not Conley. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we. Harlan the Marlin. Um, yeah. Okay. Rob, what about you? Any any, any other options there? Yeah, it, it will probably be, be Harlan. Um, and it, Conley is second in saves at the moment. I think with two. Uh, that was when, earlier this season when he was doing all right. I still, I'm still positive. You like Conley. him, don't you? Yeah, I think yeah. he could sort it out. And if he does, he'd be he'd be a, an amazing uh, player in the bullpen. There are some other options um, apart from Quijada. Guerrero, I think, has looked a little bit all over the place of, of late, mm-hmm. and it's always a, the problem when you've got uh, you know uh, a fireball pitcher like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, uh, someone who's coming back um, from injury at the moment is Steckenrider. Not saying that he will come back before the end of the season. He might come back in September, but next year, in effect. He was one of these players who was supposed to be brought up to be our closer. He had a mm-hmm. few issues. Of course, that then transpired to be an injury. But that's one to think about further down the line. Um, there are some other options. Um, there's in uh, NOLA, um, there is Mike Kickham, who actually recently has been converted back into a starter after being uh, in the bullpen for years. Um, and the uh, the other option they've got is Alvarez, who... Um, was uh, I'm just trying to think how many saves he's got now. Um, I can't find it. Here he is, 14 saves uh, for the baby cakes at the moment, RJ Alvarez. So he's someone with a, some closing experience. They need to bring him up. Um, although it looks like it'd probably be Tyler Kinley and Jeff Brigham being the, the, the sort of the extra guys that will come into that bullpen. Uh, yeah, and I guess this is going to be an interesting part for the next couple of days as it all shakes out. Like who, who's going to arrive? Who's going to take these roster spots that are now, you know, we've sold more than we've acquired, and some of the guys that we've acquired and not we're not going to plonk them on the forty man or the the twenty five man. So some decisions to be made there again. Like who, who's going to come up? Who's doing what? There's a few guys maybe on the IL that are close. I feel like John Birdie and Pablo. Maybe close-ish to coming off the IL as well. Is that right? I know Pablo probably needs another start. But... Yeah, Bertie. I think is playing tonight. He's playing seven innings, and after that, he's he should be back. He's gone back. Yeah, exactly. So Bertie, Bertie in the mix. Pablo in the mix. I guess there's a couple of spots. Stanek will join the roster straight away. Yeah. The interesting one that you mentioned earlier, Dan, is what we do with Sixto. And how quickly or not we bring him into the mix. So that'd be interesting. Mm. I mean, I, for me, I feel like it's a September call up at best. I, it is not on the 40 man, is he, either? So oh, make okay. another move. Have to move. I, yeah. I, I, I did have him in the rotation to start the season next, you know, next year when we did our thing a few weeks ago. And I had Jose you know, Urania as the closer. Yeah, which is is coming true. 
the consensus on that on that mate was that you were absolutely spot on. We thought you were high as a kite when you were saying it. But... <laughs> no, it's, that's a shame. A shame he's injured now because 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 now he he might be the closer now if he wasn't injured. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, and actually, is there an option now for? Um, do we need Hernandez back in the pen more than we need him in the rotation? I don't know. I mean, Pablo's coming back anyway, so Pablo's going to take someone's spot. What does the um, what does the rotation even look like at the moment? It's... I don't know. Let's... Sandy tonight, isn't it? Sandy tonight, yeah. Sandy yeah. tonight, yeah. And it's, All right, yeah. so we've had... Go on, Lee. Go on, mate. Yeah, I think it's back to Smith again, isn't it? All right. Then, Yams? Then it would have been Gallon. No, then it would have been Hernandez. Well, it would still be Hernandez, I assume. Then, it'd be, then it's back to Gallon. Which obviously is where it's gonna, yeah. Because Lopez won't won't be back for that start. So then he's, he's like I said he's got one more start yet before he's gonna come back. At least one anyway. Yeah. Yamamoto, Sandy, Smith, and Hernandez remain. Gallon gone. So we have a spot available. Pablo one more rehab start potentially, mm-hmm. and back. I guess that's the natural thing, and they can maybe, hey, they can get Stanek straight into his opener role and play a, play a Chen a Chen Pen game straight away. Well, well, we got, was it an off day Friday? That might help. Yeah, it is. Yeah, move around a few pieces. Yeah, uh, we got a double header coming up as well, haven't we, against the Mets? Yeah, yeah, we are. But it depends what they want to do with that. With a, with obviously, you can enlarge the rotation and make it six. Um, just by bolting someone else in there, like you know, well, obviously Hernandez is back in, but you could uh, you could try someone like Stanek and go for a bullpen day, where playing like Brigham and Chen and Conley for longer it's innings. Chen. Yeah. yeah, it's Chen. Chen back, Chen back, yeah, back in Well, <laughs> I think I don't think he will ever ever start again. Not because of all the things we talked about in the past, but I think. Uh, one thing that I don't quite get is how the final year of his contract works out. And I think if we go over a certain number of innings, I think his contract automatically kicks in for that final year. So I think you'll find he's he's not going to start ever again. <laughs> I agree. Well, yeah. Well, Pete, there's right. some um, there's some good footage of you pitching on the internet. I've seen, mate. So perhaps you can fly out. I'm available, mate. <laughs> I'm available. I mean, it's being timed on the speed gun. Tops <laughs> out at 35 mile an hour. <laughs> well, mind you know just, did you see that? Or the, the, the Orioles play the other day, it was like, like 50 miles an hour. And yeah. He got the save, though, didn't he? The save, yeah. Wow. Poo holes. Stevie Wilkerson in the what 16th inning with yeah. a save because I think yeah. they, their bullpen was cooked. So <laughs> Stevie was in the mix. That's hope for all of us, yeah. Guys, on, on the trade stuff, I think the major, whether you call this a miss, I don't know, but the, the glaring hole that hasn't happened or the glaring move that hasn't happened is that as we sit here right now, Stalin Castro remains a Marlin. And Isan Diaz, I think, is in Las Vegas with not on a stag do or anything, but with uh, <laughs> with, with Nola. Um, Dan, was that just the impossible trade 
that the Marlins just couldn't make they just didn't they couldn't eat the money and they couldn't find a suitor? Is that what it boils down to then? I, I can only assume so, yeah, because it, it's it's the trade that should have happened, really. Um, not not because I mean I, I've got nothing against Stalin. I think he's actually been pretty good the last few uh, month or so. But um, is we we all want to see Diaz come up and make that progression, and it just seemed impossible to to obviously get something done to to say goodbye to to Castro and tip our hat to him, and off he can go, and we can finally get um, second base sorted with 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 Diaz because we're desperate to, to get him up and start seeing his progression. But, yeah, it wasn't to be. So I can, I can only assume it's just we, we couldn't find anyone for him. So, And what, what the trade deadline shows right now, the new revamped format, if, if that's how you want to describe it, is it's pitcher heavy, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. Mainly that's what's going on in, yeah. in the deadline. It's And that's what we talked about this year, guys, as well, isn't it? Where you can find bats anywhere. But the rotation depth and the quality bullpen arms are just what wins you going so for? hard. Which, yeah, which we have. So, yeah, Stalin the Marlin remains. I, you know, Neil Walker remains. Granderson remains. These guys are going to play out, play out their deals. I think there's a million dollar buyout for Castro's Castro's contract. So, we'll buy him out. He won't. He won't be on the roster next year. Obviously. Um, so anything else? I mean, you look at this, you look at this trade deadline activity, it's maybe hard to put a grade on it or a a ranking right now, because in reality, we've traded away starters, albeit they're starters on the worst team in the NL by the record anyway, but, and we've acquired, you know, a couple of couple of top 100 prospects so a bit like the other trades they won't really be able to be um you won't be able to review how good or bad they are until a couple of years time but one thing this does say to me is the marlins i don't think are are still that serious about next year 2020 i think we're likely to see a similar marlins Agree with that, Rob? Or I mean, you've got them at seventy, so you've already got them. Next year, you'll you'll be pressing eighty, won't you? <laughs> uh, we will be uh, where I'm looking at next year is five hundred, and I, I I think I think we can. Um, and just to, I think a good way of summing this up was Joe Frasaro has tweeted in the last hour, and it says uh, all folks wanting top one hundred prospects, the Marlins have them now. Uh, and today's moves line up the Marlins to be very interesting by no later than 2021. And, you, you, you know, players we've been talking about all season, like Monte Harrison, etc., haven't come up yet. Who will be up in September? There, there is, this is now forming into a very different team. We've already talked about next year. Neil Walker won't be there. Stalin Castro won't be there. Um, you know, Granderson won't be there. You've suddenly got a very young, dynamic side there, hopefully captained by Miggy Rowe there as the experience. And obviously, they'll still bring in some experienced rentals. Um, but um, this, I still believe that we're, we're still looking at a, a, you know, a 500 season next year with a very, very promising team. That's optimistic. I, do you know what's going to be interesting for me 
and and Lee, I'll see what you, what your thoughts on this one, mate. I, I'm interested to see whether they take the caliber or the level of spend up a level on the veteran bats or the free agent guys that are around. I, I you know they're not going to go bonkers and throw you know Bryce Harper money around the players or whatever. But let's be honest, they went proper bargain basement this year with. Grandy and Neil Walker in particular. Do you think they might go up a tier or two, you know, where you'll acquire? I don't think the free agent market is huge no. this year, but what, what are your thoughts on that, mate? Uh, so I think they, if they do, it'll be in a trade prob- probably for someone. I mean, it depends where they need is going to be now. Because, I mean, you might have first base covered now with that trade be made. You have a Diaz the other day. You have, mm-hmm. that, that could be the first base for like the future. Yeah. And they, you know, if not for 2020, then 21. Same with some of the other trades we've made. So it's hard to think where they're going to think there's a hole that's going to be worthy of you know, you know, smashing out a lot of money you know, on a, on a you know, big free agent sign. So I think yeah. all that, we, we could be covered you know, in, in the minors now. So I think if we do it, just be, it will be another one-year rental. You know, you know, and I hope at, you know, you know to, to to flip you know, at the deadline again, mm-hmm. same as, as as well. We we tried to do this year, obviously haven't done with, with most of the players, but yeah, yeah, I, I can't I can't see the spending going up all that much, to be honest. All right, so twenty twenty one. I'm just going to scribble some names down here, guys. I'm going to do off the top of my head a, a projected lineup here. <laughs> Alfaro still a catcher for me. It's fine. Yeah. First base, first base. Let's assume either Garrett Cooper still absolutely raking, or the new guy Lewin Lewin Diaz has progressed. So that's first base. Second base, Isan Diaz. So double Diaz. <laughs> Shortstop, either Miggy Rowe is still holding it down, or Jazz has taken over that spot. Brian Anderson locked in at third. Yeah. In agreement with that one. Yeah. Okay. Left field. Not sure. <laughs> um, outfield is trickier, yeah? I mean, for me, infield looks a bit more set. Hard, it's hard to say positions as well, because the outfielders, they can all sort of move about yeah. you know, left and right, so it's hard to say, oh, he's going to come up in left, because they may move him anyway. Is Harold Ramirez a mainstay, or is he... All right, Rob's nodding. Uh, yeah. Aldo Ramirez is there, yeah? It's, I mean, he's done enough, yeah, to definitely deserve you know, a, you know, a look for the starting job again in 2020. Okay. And then it's, it, again, it's going to depend on how the miners go, you know, Brinson and all that lot again. Okay. And... Okay. So Jesus Sanchez has just been acquired. Right field. It's possible for 2021 for him to be starting there, yeah? Yeah. JJ Bladey, 2021. Starting, it's possible. Possible, yeah. Is he right um, field as well? So I might have to move, move a few around to, yeah. to, to you know, squeeze everyone in. Brinson, DH is in by then. Yeah, no, I, I can't see the DH. I just can't see that happening. And I, 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 I hate the DH. <laughs> Where's um, seeing I'd love seeing Where's Caleb Bunt to get yeah. the third. Where's Harrison play? Who's that? Monty Harrison. Centre or right. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, we've got options there. So, yeah. Yeah. Are, are we talking too early for the for the messes, messes, messes? Yeah, Victor, 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 Victor. Is it too early for them? I say 20, 2021, We might be stacked with outfielders all coming up. Outfielders galore. Yeah. Yeah. In shortstop, you've got Joe Denand, You've got Jose Devers um, yeah, there Devers, as well. That, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, in the outfield, yeah, you talk about JJ Bladé, but Connor Scott's looked good. He was obviously our first pick from last year. Um, Girard and Cassion as well has been hitting quite strongly for the Hammerheads. So you, there, there is there is options that will, you know, will, I think I don't think the outfield it's the infield is where the focus is is, is got to be. And yeah, uh, yeah. which it has been obviously. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. what they've done. Exactly. That's why you got uh, you know players like Chisholm and Diaz, but you know yeah. uh, have been brought in just for that reason. I've decided my plan, my future strategy for Marlon's jerseys is I'm either going to get one with Diaz or <laughs> Sanchez on, <laughs> because there's a chance you know you never know. Like it, like so. It. You gotta spend the risk, haven't you? The numbers could be wrong. That's all. Ah, uh, no one knows about the numbers anyway. <laughs> I can, I can barely tell you any. Do you know what? Is there's a, a pop quiz for you. <laughs> you know, if I throw in a Marlins player on the roster right now and say, "What's their number?" <laughs> let's see how we let's see how we get on. I mean, Rob, there's one for you. Zach Gallon, what was his number? Oh, I. I... Don't know. I'd say, I don't know, 55. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what they say, as you know, guys, I work in sales. And, and one thing they say in sales, you're trained to do is not ask questions you don't have, you know, you don't know the answer to. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. What he meant. I don't know how I've got through this podcast for all this time. I, yeah. I, yeah. Who knows? I've been positivity, Dan's the positivity. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> I'm going to say Gallimore 51 and we'll check it out after. Who knows? <laughs> right. I mean, for me, the infield was the priority there. And we've addressed that. We had a, a ton of rotation pieces and we had too many. And we said earlier, you can't have too much depth. You can't have too much depth. But you can if your infield has got a bunch of holes in it. So... um. You know, it's it's tough to see these guys go. I think Gallon is the shocking one in particular because he's so young and he's only eight games or whatever in to his Marlins majors career. He'll probably go on to do really well at, at, with the Diamondbacks. So we wish him well. All right, guys. Anything else on trade deadline? We're 45 minutes in, FYI. So if everyone's okay, we'll just have a quick... You know, because I'm mindful we've missed last week. So we've had four series, can you believe? Well, you can't believe it, but four series of action since we last spoke. Quick summary. Padres. So we had Tom Pringle on, obviously, bigging up the Padres. He actually predicted they would lose 2-1. So he, he knows though he knows his team well. Um, Padres 2-1, good series. Close series in parts. Um, we then went to the Dodgers, so West Coast games. This was tricky for us guys, wasn't it? I mean, how those West Coast guys yeah. <laughs> baseball, I don't know. 
um, from the UK. But anyway, went to the Dodgers, and I mean the Dodgers. We how I described that series was we we hung with them for two games, yeah. and then we ran out of steam, and and you know we played oh, our Sunday game. Sunday game was yeah. awful. <laughs> I know game. we don't typically play our you know our, our our lineup never usually looks great on a Sunday anyway. Yeah. We spoke about this on the pod this year. <laughs> we can we haven't got that much depth, so. You know, we got blown out by them, and it was it was tough watch. So Dodgers swept, fair enough. Rolled into the White Sox. The White Sox, in my opinion, aren't great. Based on your predictions, boys, you agree with that view. <laughs> um, and we won that one two one. We got beat the first one, then I think it was, and then won the next two. So you know, another series win, and then we've just um, we've just polished off the four game set against the Diamondbacks. 3-1. It was a well-deserved 3-1. And uh, the the view I had coming out of that was the Diamondbacks are definitely going to be sellers at the deadline because they they had some pitching. Greinke looked okay. Robbie Ray pitched well, didn't get the win, but I think Greinke got the win. Um, But they didn't look great. I didn't feel like they would contend this year, next thing is they're they're making moves left, right, and center, and you know anyway they've ended up making a move on on Greinke anyway and, and and traded him away. So big move from them. But anyway, what I the main recap guys three series out of four. Um, you know for me, the Marlins aren't as good as the Dodgers, no doubt, hundred <laughs> percent no doubt. But if I'm totally honest, the Padres and the White Sox and the Diamondbacks, we could play them any any time of the season and we'd hang with them boys. I mean, the, the the difference in levels is stark, isn't it? That's the thing. Like The Dodgers are, are great. Some of the NL East guys are actually very good. But there's some mediocre teams knocking around beyond that who whose records look better, but predominantly because they play in worse divisions so anyway it was it was a good couple of weeks i thought for the marlins we played well main highlights for me and i'll throw it to you guys after main highlights were caleb's performance against the white Sox. he went and we don't often have this situation but we had the near perfecto (laughs) with 17 up 17 down, five innings and two-thirds of perfect ball. Then it was broken up with a couple of walks, and then he ended up giving a run. But that was awesome for me. Great to see Caleb back to his form. He pitched well against the Diamondbacks as well and got the win there. So that was awesome. I'll throw it to you guys. We'll go around in order. That, That was probably my main highlights, other than, obviously, we've had the throwback weekend that we've just had. The jerseys looked incredible, and also the um, the shades. What I'll describe yeah. as the home run shades <laughs> looked impressive. But Dan, you got four series there, mate. <laughs> what's what's been the highlight there? Other than the well, you've got three series because the Dodgers was was not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, there's been a lot of baseball, so uh, <laughs> you uh, you struggle to to pick out and remember them since we last spoke, but. I'm only really going to highlight what I have highlighted before as the uh, as the year has gone on, and that's that when we w- there's been some really good performances over the last week or two. There's also been one or two terrible ones, 
as Lee just mentioned there, the the the, the nine nil against the Dodgers on our on our bloody Sunday UK friendly <laughs> time. We're all happy to watch. And we was also all, all, all in good spirits that, that day as well. I remember us all in our little group saying, yeah, we're going to win today and this is going to be the score, mainly my, me, and then we, we get shut up 9-0. Anyway, um, yeah, there's been some great performances. There's, you know, you just mentioned there with Smith and also Gallon's been brilliant the last two outs he's had. Um, there's been some really good. I really, really enjoyed the series just gone against the Diamondbacks. Um, and yeah, the um, the throwback weekend and the, the the meme sunglasses, which I'm going to order some definitely. Um, but um, yeah, the the point I was going to make was, and I've already spoke about before, is when we have lost, it's again been really tight games. I mean, we we go back to the, the games against the Padres, um, which we won that series two one. But just to highlight the defeats, we lost against the Padres in one of those games. We lost that three two. All right, let's take out the the. Um, uh, the, the Dodgers series, which we got, we got a 9-0 fresh in and then a 10-6 and then a 2-1 defeat. So one of them was quite close. And then since then, uh, White Sox, we won. All right, they did, they did hammer us one game. But then the, um, even again, the, the, the um, uh, Diamondbacks that we, we played, um, yeah, we had, a, we had a, a, a game there that we didn't, didn't get too close. And then the, the, the game last night against the Twins, where we lost 2-1. So there's been some games there that we, we hang about. And I, I know I've said this before, but we're not a million miles off. And who knows from what we've done in uh, this trade uh, deadline and the bats that we've now brought in, which is what we needed, and the, the pitching that we, we're heavily stacked in. I, I don't see it being, yeah, maybe next year, I think it's probably as Rob said, and I agree totally with what Rob said, that we, we should be looking at around a 500 mark next year. Um, but we're, we're not we're not that far away. I just think that we put the right pieces in another year or two, and we could start being in that in that position to start challenging. So I think it's been a po- really positive two weeks. As I said, we've won the last was it two or three series or three or four, two or three, three or four, mate. three or four. At least I, so, I I can't remember what we were pre Padres. We may have won. Yeah, but in the so last I, since I, we I last think, spoke, we've won three or four. Yeah, I, I think it's been it's been a it's been a good a good couple of weeks I think there's been some really good highlights there um and so I really I've probably enjoyed the, the weekend just gone arguably my best um my, my most enjoyable series that we've had this season against the Diamondbacks in that throwback weekend so uh yeah there's there's some reasons to be happy I think yeah I agree Lee I'll come to you next mate because we're talking it's just segued into throwback jerseys mate you must have one of them pinstripe jerseys but um <laughs> What's what about you, mate? Last last two weeks of baseball, main highlight, favorite bits. So one of the main highlights was I actually had it down last week, course, which we never got got to record in the end. But we actually had our first walk off. Uh, the Brian Anderson was against the Padres. I know we're talking about two weeks back now, so that seems seemed a long time ago. So that was a highlight, and he had the two Mickey Row home runs. Yeah, you know, back yeah you know, for for two nights in a row, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, leading off was it was it the Saturday and Sunday games, you know, Saturday night. I, I sat and the glasses came out. You know, <laughs> you know, it was throw throwback throwback weekend as well. So yeah, that, that, they were my yeah. You know, we, we had we had some, some some good highlights there. I say it's just it's just been 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 a good two weeks. Actually, the last what three months? If you take out the start of the season, you know, we we're, we're we're playing you know five hundred ball, so. Mm. There's definitely is, is a lot of you know, hope for the future, and 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 I do do agree that in 2020 we should be looking at 
five hundred, you know, as 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 the aim at least for me anyway. I think it also got rid of two jinxes. We didn't seem to be able to get any walk offs, and uh, and and, and, yeah. and you know, Miggy Rowe couldn't seem to to get home yeah. runs. He'd only had you know one home run. Uh, and no power, and then suddenly, you know, three come along once, and, and to, you set the tone, don't you? If you, if you hit a home run in, in the in the first inning of a game as well, um, which is really good to see. I thought the atmosphere of that whole throwback weekend was was absolutely incredible. From that that those um, sort of sack fly walk off we had in the ninth inning, there, brilliant way to turn that game round with Macho Marlins man doing the flying elbow into the Cleveland ball. Uh, it's just. How much would you want to have been in the Clevelander and the Budweiser Terrace that night? It, um, I, I, it did sound like it was quite a messy night up there. Um, but, yeah, great atmosphere. You know, a complete change around from last year in regards to an atmosphere in the ground. Yes, the fans aren't quite coming back yet, but even so, um, it does feel like there's a big change there. And the thing I was saying, and just kind of following on from what Pete sort of said earlier, is if you look in the standings at the moment in the National League, um, the Marlins are the worst team in the, in the National League by by quite a distance. But if you then kind of even look at the wild card, the second worst team, which is, which is the Pirates, are, are 10 games back. They've got a 4-3-5 average. But then you go up above that, you've all got teams in the mix. Everyone's really, really close. If you compare that to American League, if we were in the American League now well we would be you know the the fourth fifth worst team in there even with a 390 um average um so you know we are in a difficult division whoever we come again come to play against is they're difficult teams no we're not going to beat the dodgers because they are the best team well maybe until the the Grenke trade tonight has, has put the uh, the astros probably neck and neck with them but you know, we're not going to beat them. But the fact that we can beat the Padres, who are supposed to be the team who have the ultimate in the farm system and are supposed to be really a year, maybe two ahead of us. The fact that, you know, we can knock the White Sox aside quite easily. And even the Diamondbacks, who, you know, are having kind of like a, a sort of a funny old season, shows that we are, we're not as bad as what everyone thinks. I think if, there are some teams that are weaker in the league. I think we'd be far, far better um, than we are now. We wouldn't be sort of hanging around with a, a 390 average. Uh, we we could be, you know, closer to where the, where I thought we were going to be with the 70, 70 wins. But uh, it's been the spirit, hasn't it, which is which is really shown through, and that's why we're winning those series. And that, as an overview of, you know, but that's why we've done so well. Mm. Especially against the Diamondbacks, who have got a, a positive away record as well. They're one of the only teams in the league that have got above 500 away from home. And considering how awful we are at home, um, that's um, yeah, that you know that that was a, a real convincing performance. Arguably the most convincing performance we put aside all, all weekend, uh, all season. Yeah, it was. It, it was made. They. I go back to your point though, Rob. The 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 way the AL is made up, you you get these teams that have crazy numbers and they look crazy, but they're beaten on really poor teams. And the Marlins in the AL are pushing for a wild card. 
in my opinion, right now. This structure of this team are in the mix. They're like, you know, five games back of a wild card right now in the AL. And that just shows, you know, it's just, they're just sparring crap most of the time. That's what they are. Those teams, they are real, real turds. And the Marlins look bad in the NL, no doubt. We're way off. We're bottom by some way. But you take away that start of the year when, as we talked about, I mean, we, these podcasts, how many ice emojis did we have in that, what, first <laughs> two months? I mean, we were turgid. No, there's no way again about it. The pitching was good, but wow, we we couldn't score a run to save our lives, could we? What was it, 10 and 31? I think that's the main stat that knocks around. And we were we were awful. But since then, I think you just said it then, Lee, we... 500 ball pretty much after maybe yeah. maybe better than that so you know this this is and we're coming up against, we're coming up against teams like the Phillies the Braves you know and that's it almost every every week so yeah I agree with you Pete but this is it and this is a funny thing about baseball is the way that they you structure it's a divisional structure and you you're heavily weighted to play in more games against your division you know, okay, rightly or wrongly, but, you, you know, it, it creates situations where teams have huge uh, inflated win-loss ratio, blah, blah, blah. And the reality is for us in the NL East, unless they change the way that we structure games, we're going to have a real, even if we're good, we're going to have a real fight on our hands to, to make any playoff run in the next couple of years because those teams look set in. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to round, well, there's one thing I just want to mention before we finish off with the usual seg um, was the White Sox series, actually. And uh, something I wanted to touch upon earlier in the year, but this rant, it didn't end up happening because we ran out of time. But it was it was to do with the netting. And I've always been pro-netting down the foul pole lines, all the way down the foul pole lines. Um, primarily my view is that MLB, the clubs as well, should have a duty of care to fans to protect them from juiced balls, which we're dealing with now, coming off the bat at 110 mile an hour. And it sh there should be a duty of care to protect those guys in those spots. And irrespective of club, my opinion is that the MLB should impose that on all clubs anyway. The White Sox actually were the first club to, uh, to, to bring in the net in right up to the foul pole line uh, in the series for the first time when the Marlins were there. So maybe ironic because I wanted to talk about it and I'm glad they did it. I was actually chatting to someone on Twitter a couple of weeks back and said, how, how was it? Did it obstruct your view? Did it impact you at all? He went, no, not at all. It, you know, you didn't you didn't even think about it. It was it was what it was, and you didn't even notice it. So, what do you? I'm pro netting. The, Mar the Marlins Park looks good anyway at the moment. Looks flair, looks good. But I don't know, Dan. What do you recommend? Are you are you pro netting? Uh, and actually, do you do you see why people? Because actually, on Twitter, what you do see is a lot of people saying. No way, this is crazy. You know, 
get your nose out of your phone, watch the game, blah, blah, blah. Don't take kids there. It's, you know, you shouldn't have kids there anyway. They're the kind of main feedback items, really. What, what's your thoughts on it, mate? I mean, bearing in mind we haven't actually sat in those spots ourselves. So Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bit tricky because um, I, I don't know why people go up, you know, in those top tiers near the foul pole uh, line. Um, whether it's to get a opportunity to catch a ball or whatever it may be. So, and I don't know about obviously yeah. I've been, the, the only game I've ever been to uh, was recently at the London series. So, I, and I was up in the gods there. But I don't know whether or not it's a viewpoint, whether it's a good vantage point there or whatever it may be. But I'm with you, Pete. I think that it should be from my perspective. There's duty of care, as you said, to to protect people. It's all very well to say well, you know, you shouldn't be just looking at your phone or there should be no kids there, et cetera. But, you know, sometimes it's a it's a game that can go four or five hours. You know, you can't be expected to watch every pitch and keep your eye on every single thing that's happening. So if pe- if, if the idea that people are up in those tiers um, because they think it's, a, you know, an opportunity to catch a ball or if it's just a good vantage point, well, if the feedback is that the vantage point isn't obstructed, then there's a no-brainer. Then put put the nets up. If if it's because you think there's a good opportunity to catch a ball, well, I'm sorry, but the the more important thing should be people's safety. So, in my opinion, yeah, it should go all the way along. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, and I think that's it. That's the main the main feedback is oh the well, I think the one of the view is obstructed, and I I think that's a load of bullshit. It's because you want to catch foul balls. That's that's the one is I want to sit there and catch foul balls. And my response to that is, well, what relevance do they have? <laughs> what are you going to do with a foul ball? Just go and buy one. If you want to if you want a baseball, just just go and source one. I mean, a foul ball, it has no relevance at all. Hey, I caught a foul ball from Miguel yeah. Rojas in the bottom of the second at the Mar- at Marlins Park against the D-backs. I Someone's just going to laugh at you if you do it, if you say that. So it's total BS, in my opinion. And I understand, like, it's exciting if you're in those sections that a ball may come your way at any point. But the way baseball's played today, it's, it's too dangerous to not protect fans all the way along because the balls are obviously juiced, as we can see, because they're traveling miles they're basically golf balls with a stitch on that's what they are and we've had it this year where we had an astros player what was it an astros player some one of the astros player i'm pretty sure it was marisnik or someone hit a liner no no maybe it was a cubs player who was it who was it early in the year who hit a liner foul ball into the cubs i think cubs was it was it wasn't javi baez was it or it was someone from the Cubs, and they they drilled a liner into the stand, and I think it hit like a six-year-old girl in the head or something, and luckily, touch wood, she was okay. But the player was completely shook by it after the, the team was. And I just look at it and think, this is absolutely nuts. Nuts that people are winning this argument because they want to catch souvenirs supposedly or foul balls but there's six-year-old girls getting drilled in the head because they don't have the time to react and it's not just six-year-olds it could be anyone 
the reality is the baseball travels so fast. You're serving beers. You know, try catching that without a glove when you're not expecting it. Good luck at that. It's absolutely nuts, in my opinion. And for me, I think it should be imposed on all clubs. And I hope that I hope that the Marlins embrace that and go with that. Lee, Rob, that's my rant over. A yes or no? Agree, disagree, middle ground. So I, I think yeah, I do think they should extend the netting. Now I'm just going for my own. It's not from baseball, but when I go to hockey, they will mm. have a similar thing behind the goals where there's netting. Obviously, the balls are yeah. yeah, like the big, big net amount of goals. And yeah. when my wife went, she did complain that she couldn't see properly because the netting was in the way. I mean, to me, it didn't make a difference. I think after a few minutes, you, your eyes do do adjust to it. So, on, and obviously, it's play at different speeds than base, so it's hard. You can't really compare sort of the speed of the game. But you, so it may affect that, yeah, the, the sight a bit. But then, okay. if you think it's going to affect your, you know, your view in pleasure, then don't sit there. You know, sit somewhere, you know, in, you know, in the outfield then or something, or, or sit sit higher up, you know, in in in, in, the, in like the second tier. Yeah. So as you're saying, the safety is more important because the balls do come off. It's like at cricket as well. I know obviously there's no net in a cricket, but sometimes I don't, you know, when I'm there live, I don't always pick the ball up, you know, it's just straight away from the bat. So it isn't until it's in the air coming towards us. That, oh, yeah, they're, they're, you, know, you, see it, you see it coming towards you. And, and I think a baseball is travelling at a lot quicker speed, you know, coming coming off the bat. You know, so, so, so it's not easy, you know, to just say, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're in their phones and stuff because you, you, can't, you can't see the ball. Sometimes it is, you know, you're literally two seconds and, and it's there. Yeah, and, yeah. and and if it is a kid or or, or someone older who, you know, the, their reactions may be a bit slower. You know, it, it, it is da- you know a dangerous weapon, really, you know, really a ball. So, yeah, for me, the netting, you know, it can be extended all the way. Makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying about the the obscured viewing and whatnot. I, that for me, it's it's an argument. I think your eyes are just. Yeah, you do adjust to it. Um, but equally, the most expensive seats in the house are smack bang right right behind the netting. So, at, at netting level, so you know, and I, I understand you're looking at a slightly different angle, and that would maybe make it a bit more, it would obscure it a little bit. But I, I just think I come back to it: they should have. There is a duty of care from the league to protect fans from themselves to be honest and you know it's I mean what happens you know all of a sudden a couple of foul balls into the stands and a couple of kids are killed and you think you know you look back and go what the hell were we doing as a league like why have we allowed this to happen but Rob what about you buddy yeah well we had there's it's not just the issue there it's the incidents at the Cubs uh there's a two-year-old child they got hit by a ball at the Astros game um I can't remember how long ago that was this season um that's the one I'm thinking of yeah it was Astros Cubs yeah I I, I try to remember who it was maybe it was Albert Almora that rings a bell all of a sudden now of the player 
the Cubs player yeah. Almora, I think it was. I think there's been there's been a couple of incidents incidents, um, and and not just this season. Previous season, there was uh, a, a, an elderly lady killed at a Dodgers game. Uh, she she well she was she was sort of injured, and then unfortunately passed away later. I think that was last year. So there has been you know many incidents of this. Um, and you're right if you're if you're sitting in the best seats in the house right behind home plate you have that netting up and they say that the, the fineness of that netting means that you, as you say your eyes see through it you, you don't know it's there you still see um when a, a, a ball is fouled straight back you still see the sort of the fans still jump out of the way even though the netting's there which is quite funny but, I did like um, that. Did you see that one in the season? That uh, lady from Toronto yeah. was that old yeah. lady who didn't move at all. She didn't yeah, flinch. She was flinch. Yeah. Just stood there. Like, it was so really quite funny actually. Everyone else was moving. She's like, "Oh no, it's all right. We're safe." Like, or maybe yeah. she's. You know, there you go. There's the reason for the netting. Is her reactions are that yeah. slow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right in the fact that it, the the speed that they're coming off. It doesn't matter what age you are. Um, and you're not focused, even if you, you don't even have a phone, you're not going to be watching absolutely every pitch, every ball being hit off the bat. There's lots of distractions in a baseball ground. You can yeah. see all the, you know, the, the opposing uh, sorry, the scores for the, um, you know, the other other teams and stats and you know, things going along, especially, especially in Marlins Park. So it does make sense. I have sat down the first baseline before. And yeah. that would have been unnetted. Um, now would have been a net in front. Um, am I bothered about not being able to catch a foul ball? Well, I, I'm thinking about it now. When I, you know, when I went that time, I was just it was just me and my wife. Now it'd be me and my wife and my two kids. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd be a bit more concerned because uh, you know you you don't want that to happen to your own children, let alone anyone else's. So I totally agree. Bring him all the way up to the foul pole. People get used to it. And 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 also, not being funny, how many foul balls actually still end up going into the seats around the third and, and first baseline that get popped up? Of course, yeah, you've got you like go. people you know, saying heads up and all the rest of it. And even sometimes you see them bouncing off the backs of seats and still sort of hanging up, you know, high in the air. So, um, I, you know, and also, if, if you want a ball in a baseball game, you're not really going to be sitting down first or third baseline. You're going to be in the Budweiser Terrace, hoping Brian Anderson, like he did the other night, is going to hit an absolute bomb that you can hit. I'm pretty sure Harold uh, Ramirez uh, also dispatched one to the, uh, the the Budweiser tent or or the other Nation Alley or something. Yeah. I think it was the yeah. the Nation Alley, I think, and the yeah. guy who caught it. Tell you what, when I when I when I end up at Marlins Park at whatever time it may be, that's where I'm yeah. rolling. I'm in the alley. <laughs> Me too, mate. I'm with you on that. The alley. It's I'm going off in there. And listen, just to be clear, I am anti-netting in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something to catch, isn't it? It's much better to catch a home run, you know, than a yeah, foul ball. A random foul ball, yeah. <laughs> well, this is it. That's what I was saying. Like, there's no value in them. Yeah. I, I understand the excitement. I mean, that's taking it to another level. That's another conversation for another day. The netting to stop home runs getting over. <laughs> okay, I may 
I may dampen my stance or soften my stance on that one. But <laughs> anyway, we'll see. You, you're right, Dan. I'm with you, mate. Me and you, I can see this working. We're going to have me and you in the ordination alley with Glenn Geffner and a few other guys. And yeah, could be good, mate. We'll make that happen. I'm going to be in All the right. Cleveland uh, with uh, Macho Marlins, mate. Yeah. Well, you'll be dropping elbow drops on the top rope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lee will be, blow, be blowing the trumpets. Yeah, I'll be in the band, yeah. <laughs> this is it, boys. We've all got our place, haven't we, you know? All right, guys. Well, let's let's round it off with, um, if we can, a player of the week, emoji of the week, usual bits to round off. Uh, who wants to go first? Who's who's got it lined up? I mean, I mean, we may have traded away our players of the week. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was um that was going to be my one. It was a bit of a toss up between uh, Caleb and um and Gallon because they've both been lights out last two performances. Um, but it will go to Gallon. I think his last two, especially um, last night, I think he's been uh, he's been brilliant. And he'll be I think he'll be missed. I know it's early doors. And who knows what's going to happen with his career? It's very, very uh, much, much in its infancy. But I wish him luck. Um, and uh, yeah, but he is my my uh, my player of the week. I think he's been brilliant. Fair enough. Have you got an emoji to match? The emoji is going to be the sunglasses emoji. Oh yeah. <laughs> for the uh, for the throwback weekend, those meme sunglasses, which I've already checked on Amazon, they're about eight quid. So I'm ordering some. <laughs> eight quid, perfect. <laughs> there you go. On Prime, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, there we go. I let's. Do you know what, mate? Throw in three extra ones of them. <laughs> they'll they'll be used on our September end of year extravaganza. Sounds good. So we'll we'll all rock up into Pashyank <laughs> with uh, with the shades on, black jerseys on. Yeah. Boys will be looking fresh. <laughs> awesome. Who's next up? What else do you boys got? So I was I was going to say Gallon as well for the same reason. But oh, I mean, we shouldn't have traded him. What have we done? What have we done? So yeah, a special mention as well as well to Miggy Rowe, who you know he's had three home runs for the past four games. So yeah, he 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 gets a mention. But yeah, for me it was Gallon. He's been really good. I mean, the last what three four starts as well. He's, he's, just, he's just been outstanding. Now he's gone, but. <laughs> Yeah, a gallon for me, the player of the week. Emoji? Uh, I was going to go like the phone. You know, just just like the phone lines are going off of all the trades. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've had a hotline. I'm yeah. still I'm still convinced that people teams were calling on Caleb and trying to make deals yeah. there. I'm pretty confident. I think the, the asking price must have been hefty. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested. We haven't, I haven't had time to digest the, like the Grenke deal that's just happened. And I know I'm not convinced you'd put Caleb quite at that level, but you know, I'd be interested to see what the Astros have had to pay to get Grenke. And I'm pretty confident the Astros would have called the Marlins too. So. Have a look at that after we haven't really had time to digest because we've pretty much started recording as that trade happened. Um, so, Rob, what about you, buddy? Yeah, just just to tidy up on the the, the Grenke trade. So because Grenke's <laughs> you're always on, yeah, you're all you're awesome in the cleanup spot, mate. I tell you, 
Well, Granky was on a massive contract. That's the difference That's between him and so uh, the the Diamondbacks are are still sending twenty four million to the Astros. Uh, with the with Houston assuming the remaining fifty three million of his contract, so they've they've got Greinke and a bit of a discount on his contract as well. So uh, it, it looks like money. It, it fundamentally was a money saving exercise. Wow. Um, what did they get? What 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 players did they get for him? Do you know? Um, uh, Not that we know any of them probably. Uh, no, I I don't uh, I don't know to be perfectly honest with you. I might have uh, sort of oh, flash oh, up, but it was, it was like number three, number four, number eight prospects or something on their list. Corbin Martin. The they biggest. never got Tucker, who who is the Astros' number one prospect. That's their main guy. Yeah, they never got him by looks of it. I don't think I know him because he's he's in my fantasy team dynasty league who I've had stashed in my minors for like two years while the wow. Astros wait to call him up. Keep him stashed there, I'd say. Yeah, they've got that other. They've got that other picture. The Astros, haven't they? Remember, Rob, you saw him this year when we, um, I, I think Gallon versus the Astros' top prospect, and we blew him up. The pitcher, whoever he is, can't remember his name now, but uh, yeah, that was um, that that was Tucker though, wasn't it? Oh, I think we're getting. Yeah. I think isn't Tucker the outfielder, or is he, he was? The yeah, and it was Tucker who um, was. Was yeah, they was there. He was the strikeout, but you were. There was a game. I'll remember that in a minute. But in the meanwhile, <laughs> um, I you know it's very difficult to go against Gallon, isn't it? And I I liked um, the um, uh, that that game against the White Sox. Not let not just that game against the Twins, but the, where we kind of shut the White Sox out, and it, it was it seemed to be such an easy game. He looked so in control. I'm going to go for Rojas because he was a guy who had only hit one home run, uh, has been the real leader for us this year. And many times he could have got sort of player of the week, um, but has been, uh, you know, other players like Cooper, et cetera. And, and the, the pitchers have done so well. Um, so the fact that he could lead off with a couple of home runs like that was, was pretty magic. And, you know, set the tone for those wins against a, was a difficult um, Diamondbacks team, really. Um, yeah. So uh, and um, my emoji is going to be the uh, the kind of wave goodbye. Um, quite <laughs> sad that um, that Gallon's gone. Quite sad, really, that Trevor Richards has gone. The Silver Fox. Uh, yeah, he's got more grey hair than than I have, and he's about fourteen years younger than me. Um, so it's um, yeah, um, and Romo as well, who's who's just a brilliant character in in the, in the dressing room. So. Yeah, it's it's sad that uh, they've gone. Yep, nice, nice. I like it. I, I'm with you. And to round things off, I'm with you on Miggy Rowe. He's, you know, I'm a sucker for home runs, guys. That's <laughs> in in particular grand slams. But I'm I'm also becoming I'm coming around to the idea of back to back lead off of the game home runs, which Miggy Rowe did. This was he was getting into. Uh, Ronald Acuna territory, I felt, with the next thing is I thought they were going to be thrown at his head or whatever we did. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, Miggy Rowe for me. Emoji of the week, I think for me, is the handshake one. I think that, I think a lot of deals have been done. I think, I think the reality is, looking at things right now in the absolute aftermath of the trade deadline is, We've done some deals. 
we were stacked with pitching arms and we were light on bat prospects. And I think we've rebalanced it. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's the scales one. Maybe I'll go with a handshake and the scales, Wayne scales. I think we've readdressed the balance a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, time will tell, guys. It's hard. It's hard when I was thinking about this earlier. It's hard when you trade away known entities that are performing at the big league level to take on prospects that will deliver in one, two, three, whatever years time. It's really hard um, to do that. And, and likewise, we're sitting here waiting for Isan Diaz to come up. And you look back and you go, okay, Yamamoto, what's he delivered now? Isan Diaz, okay, great. Brinson, does he come back? You're like, holy moly, actually, this this Yelich trade was fantastic. You know, it's so hard to tell immediately. So there you go. Um, I don't know if I want to finish on one of the final note, guys, which actually is the... <laughs> What was going on last night with the the Pirates and the Reds? Um, <laughs> what are them boys up to this year? Absolute craziness. But speaking about trade activity, Yasel Puig, his final action as a Red, I think he'd already been traded. He was weighing in with haymakers against the Pirates. What was going on there, boys? I mean, what is this from from, from these two teams? Crazy. Proper fighting as well. The uh, last time I saw a fight properly like that was that game against the Yankees and Tigers, where they all went completely in. That was, um, you know, you you, you sometimes see the benches clear and they have a little scuffle and that's it. But, you know, they wound them up so much that he went in and he went in with like like a forearm shot, didn't he? Straight into him. Yeah, (laughs) mad. And... uh, who was um, he trying to punch? Like, I, I know he, he landed on someone. Like, uh, who was the guy who he was trying to lay up? Was it the guy who just hit a home run off him? Or was, I don't actually know. I, I don't know. It, it, was, it was a strange old situation because there was, there was so much going on. And, they, you know, they, I know they tried to hit Dietrich, didn't they? They tried to beam the ball at Dietrich. Yeah, they did. But there yeah. was, there was a, I think it was one of those ones where you have to kind of unravel it uh, backwards and try to find out what caused it but it was just getting tenser and tenser between the two teams but then again you've got two teams there who who really are uh, got question marks on where their season is going as well very frustrated a lot of frustrated players I mean the pirate the pirates are poor there's no doubt about that and talking about trades the trade for Chris Archer from the pirates last year was absolutely rancid rancid um, that dude he looks good but Boy, he gives up a ton of runs, and that is not what you need. But to be fair to them, the Pirates, maybe they've done done the same to the Brewers, trading off that, I think, Jordan Lyles, who again was given up back-to-back, I think he four or five games in a row, over seven earned runs, and they managed to ship him off to the Brewers. So before before this podcast, in my head, I was going, this really shows the value and how hard it is to acquire good quality pitchers where you've got you've got teams giving up like decent prospects for pitchers that have given up their last month is I've given up 30 earned runs <laughs> you think this is nuts so you know the the phones for the Marlins would have been ringing Derek Dietrich I think unfortunately just a round up on that that seg um unfortunately for Dietz he's um 
he's definitely come back down to worth there. I think he's hitting about. I think he's hitting 120. about twenty. Is it one twenty? Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's had a, a nightmare. Um, so, and the home runs have dried up as well, which was the the big thing. I hope he gets it back. I really, really like Double D. Um, just just to mop up one thing, it was Forrest Whitley was the 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 there you go. which uh, that was the game that when Gallon pitched and uh, we we dominated Whitley. So uh, yeah. I love your mop-ups, mate. They're always they're always welcome. So just just to mop something else up for the listeners who are always thinking about our our, our predictions league. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've had to do this via via text actually because we've not spoken properly for for two weeks. But the net result of of the last four series is we have really closed up. And you've got the new leader from zero to hero, give or take, Dan the Man now on 11 points. And the, the three of us sitting on 10. So we're in striking distance there. Um, I think we've got some, we've got our predictions in for the Twins where we're already a game down on the Twins. I think maybe three of us have got Twins to win that 2-1. And Dan, you might have it 2-1 the other way, if I remember correctly. Yes, I've got I've got two on Marlins, so uh, my, my lead is likely to be very shortly. <laughs> Neither win tonight. Yeah. yeah. Well, while we're here, boys, let's just round up before we finish off on a... So we've got fit Twins to finish up, and then we've got a two-game set with the Rays, which is timely, considering who we've just traded and to where. Um, so we'll, we'll maybe get to see Nick Anderson and... Trevor Rich. Hey, one thing I'd like to, interested to see for the Rays is whether Trevor's in the rotation or not. I mean, that's a decision for them to make as well. So we'll we'll see on that. But let's finish off with that, guys, and that that should do us. Um, Dan the man, seeing as you're leading the way, you better you better lead off. Um, are we at home? I think we're away, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll I'll go for the split. I'll go for one off. Ooh, that's always interesting. So, got to be careful here, guys, because a series win will be a sweep win too. So, <laughs> go easy. We're we're away, by the way, at the Rays. We're at the Tromp. Mm, yeah, tough, tough game. But yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll pick up a game. So, Rob Newell. Um, this is quite difficult, but I'll go one-one. Um, the difficulty is is that um, you know they got. Really, really good players there in such a hard league. Had such a good start to the season. They're falling away, and Boston are, are with them now. And and it's go, it, you know what's going to happen. They're going to end up third. Um, they tried the same as last year, yeah. Yeah, they tried to strengthen with Sogard coming in, and Duffy is is back. Who's a normally got an amazing on base percentage, um, but even so, um, yeah, I, I think I think uh, one one is a fair thing in that in that. Bizarre stadium. Okay, so a pair of one ones. Lee Dobbs. Uh, get a brush out. I get a brush out, but unfortunately, it's for the Rays to sweep us. <laughs> the oh reverse dear. room. Oh dear. I say a 2 0 sweep. Oh dear, oh dear. The reverse broom, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're using the wrong end. That's what my missus says that about me all the time when I'm sweeping up. <laughs> oh dear. Well, it feels wrong to round this podcast off in that way, but 
<laughs> Lee, I am following you. So we're going two one ones and two reverse brooms. <laughs> I, I, I just can't see our, our rotation's fine, but God knows what what will happen after the sixth inning in the next couple of weeks until it settles down. Right. You know, we'll we'll time will tell. So I'm going reverse broom as well. Uh, that's I'm happy to be proved wrong on that. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We've gone extended episode, but we had to. We had to tonight. I hope the hope the listeners are stuck with us on this one. Any final notes, or are we are we done? Mm-hmm. Good. We're done. We're all good. Awesome, guys. Thanks for uh, for joining me again. The trade deadline for this year is actually finally in the books because there's no. Whatever the hell the other thing used to be of clearing waivers and whatever that crap was. Anyway, we know now what we've got, what we've got to play with. I'm really excited to see if Isan Diaz is playing for the Marlins in Tampa Bay. It's possible. I really hope he is. Excited for that. It's been a, there's been a lot of activity and a lot of positive activity. The rebalance has been made. Some players have been moved on that we've all enjoyed watching this year. So we wish them well. Um, but that that's episode 24 in the books. I thank you boys. I thank the listeners. I thank the Marlins. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks, guys.